episode of Papa Bear Hikes. On today's episode, we have a very special guest with us. We have a fellow podcaster. Emma features conversations with endurance athletes of all types committed to fostering social change. The athletes she speaks with, with on her show, are climate change activists, mental health advocates, and promoters of more inclusive outdoor spaces. Through social sport, she shares the stories, thoughts of people who explore the connection between sport and activism in their lives. Emma Zimmerman, welcome to Papa Bear Hikes. Thank you so much, Martin. This is uh, such a great opportunity. I'm really excited to be here with you today. Yes, I was really, I'm really excited about this because I went to your website, I listened to some of your episodes, and I thought, wow, this is just really right in the same ballpark of what, what I talk about here, what I'm trying to do. And that is not just encouraging people, everyone to get out and find their thing in the outdoors and do something, but let's do what we can to break down the barriers and, and get out there. You know, if there's something that's stopping somebody, let's do what we can to help remove what's stopping them and or encourage and encourage people to go out and enjoy themselves in the outdoors. For sure. And I always love connecting with people who are doing that similar work because we need more people doing that work, as many people as possible. So I really appreciate what you do as well. Yeah, I just I think we all benefit. That's why mm-hmm. I, I just believe we all have a responsibility. You don't you don't you know, and we'll get further into this, but I you know we're all the beneficiaries when we work together on this. Uh, so Emma, why don't we start off by you just telling us a little bit about, your, about yourself? For sure. Yeah. So my name's Emma Zimmerman. I am a writer slash journalist slash podcast host. I'm based on the ancestral lands of the Lenape people, otherwise known as Brooklyn, New York. And I'm currently a grad student. I'm getting my MFA or Master's of Fine Arts in writing at NYU. Um, and I host the Social Sport Podcast, which is about endurance athletes who use their platforms for social change. I also freelance write for a variety of publications. And I'd say overall, I'm just passionate about the outdoors and the power of sports and movement to change the world and create a better world. And I'm predominantly a runner myself, but I'm also an all-around outdoor enthusiast, um, cyclist, hiker, anything I can do to be outside. Yeah, I think we all have that center uh, passion that gets us outdoors. For me, it's backpacking, but I also love kayaking and biking. And for you, it seems to be endurance sports or more specifically Mm -hmm. running. Tell us how you got started with running and how this became a passion in your life. Yeah, I, I guess I can't really think of a time that running wasn't a passion of mine. I mean, I played a lot of different sports Growing up, I'm also lucky that I uh, grew up mostly in a pretty rural area of Connecticut. So I was just always outside, you know, running around. And um, I don't know. I just always loved to run from a young age. I think I just always knew I would, you know, stop playing all my sports and just do track and cross country once I got to high school. Uh, I ended up running in college. I was very much not a superstar. I, w- I was competitive at the Division three level. I went to a small a Division three liberal arts school, but it's just always been one of my greatest passions. And uh, I think it's really a meditative pursuit for me. It's also been such a great way to meet different people and get to see the world. And I think it's something that brings people together in a extremely unique way as well. And unlike a lot of other collegiate sports, it's not something that ends when you hit a certain age or you leave school. I mean, people run, you know, 
well into their later years. I know there's uh, for some of these five Ks, there's 50 and older groups and et cetera. So it's a, it's an activity that you can do your entire life. Yeah, absolutely. And I, unfortunately, after college for nearly three years, had quite a long injury cycle. Uh, so I wasn't running to the same extent, but now I'm hopefully over that. And I've you moved to moved back to New York recently. And it's been an incredible way to meet people in the city because there are so many, I don't know if you've spent any time in, uh, in or a significant amount of time in New York City, Martin, but there's just so many running groups and even trail running groups and just people wanting to meet other people through sports. Yeah, I grew up across the river from New York City. And okay. it's not just a cliche when they call it a melting pot. pot. If you really want to meet people, be around people, and yeah, New York's really the best place to go to do it. Yeah, I, absolutely. You know, so did you grow biased. up in Jersey? Yes, I did. Yes. Got it, got it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, so, and there's a part of me that still misses that part of the country. I live in upstate New York now. Uh, but yeah, I, I still kind of miss the, the diversity and the, the amount of activities that you could take part in down there. Well, it's so hard. You mentioned that you miss the diversity. I always say, you know, I would love to live somewhere with more access to trails. That's my dream is, you know, to be able to trail run and hike out my back door. But then you realize you, you miss out on that diversity. You miss out on getting to know different people from different places. And I think that is often the trade-off in my mind and something I have to think about. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so you've got your podcast and in your podcast, you're not just talking about your interest in running and your involvement in running, but you've kind of taken, it seems, two interests, two passions and put them together here. Um, mm-hmm. The people you invite on, your guests are, um, as I said in the introduction, they're climate change activists, mental health advocates, and uh, promoters of inclusion in the outdoors. So you're kind of, in my opinion, my humble opinion, getting the best of both worlds here. How did that all start? Yeah, you're right. I would say I am getting the best of both worlds, and I feel very lucky to be able to pursue my two passions. Uh, I guess, um, yeah, I, I, I guess my two of my greatest passions have always been, well, I should say three, have always been, you know, running and outdoor sports, and then uh, writing and storytelling, and then also social justice in a broad sense. So, uh, you know, creating a more just environment, a more just social structure, just social change, social justice in a broad sense. And I think for most of my life, I couldn't really see myself in sports journalism because most stories that I read or listened to were centered on like games and statistics. It was all, it's also a very um, man heavy, a lot of white men are in sports journalism to be blunt. And I think I began to notice a shift in maybe around 2019, where there seemed to be a growing recognition that sports can illuminate larger societal issues. And I realized that those are the stories I wanted to tell and that maybe there'd be a listenership for that. Maybe there'd be people interested in thinking about the ways in which endurance sports and social change intersect. I don't know if that completely answered your question, but that's... (laughs) That's really the gist of it. Well, that's, uh, so let me ask you, was there an event that triggered that where you saw something on TV or read something and said, you know, there's an opportunity here. You know, I'm in, I, I might not be, uh, just hypothetically speaking, you know, I'm not a professional tennis player, but I'm involved in a sport where I think I can make a difference here by taking these two 
passions and putting them together, or my three passions, writing, running, and social justice and bringing them together. Was there a single event that 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 gave you the idea to pursue this? I wouldn't say it was a single event. Uh, I think maybe a growing cognizance that this was a topic and an intersection that people were interested in exploring. I should say that I was really inspired by a few other journalists and their work. Lindsay Krauss is one reporter with the New York Times who did a lot of work on uh, equal pay for women's soccer players, a lot of work on dream maternity. I don't know if you saw that series on track athletes whose uh, contracts were cut when they got pregnant, whose contracts were cut by Nike, I should say. And she also she also was the one who covered the Mary Kane story. So Mary Kane was a young woman who uh, who faced quite a lot of psychological abuse as a professional athlete, was once a phenom in the sport. And I think the attention that those got and just the power that I saw in those stories were what made me realize people are interested in how sports illuminate larger societal issues. And I think not only that, I think I realized that Sports journalism, in my opinion, if it's good, if it's doing important work, it is illuminating those larger societal issues. And maybe it is an angle to get people to pay more attention to those issues as well. Yeah, I think that it is a vehicle to raise awareness. I'm, I I don't believe in this idea of, you know, quote unquote, you know, just shut up and play your sport. Mm-hmm. You have an opportunity as an athlete and the bigger athlete you are, the bigger the stage. If there's an injustice, I personally think you have an almost a responsibility to speak up if you've got that kind of an audience. Um, now, I know myself a few years ago, I'd read a, an article about a female trail, trail runner and she didn't pull any punches. She talked about how she was receiving substantially less money for uh, endorsements and and finishing races that she would get substantially less money as a number one finisher than even the number three finisher in the men's category. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a huge problem, and yeah, and I think that's just only one. That's one big example, but there are so many issues as it relates to justice and equity in endurance sports. Yeah, I, I think that uh, yeah, when when you have you know, the opportunities are there. And, and it needs to be talked about. Now, I'm older than you, Emma, but I could tell you, I think now over the last few years, it is being spoken about more than it ever has been. Uh, this week, the first gay NFL player yeah. uh, came out and spoke about it. And I was like, wow. And now all of a sudden, you're hearing, well, you know, back in the 70s, this guy saying, well, he, you know, he had a, a gay teammate. And, you know, we're starting to realize, you know, when we're talking about this, you know, we're, we're realizing that you know, we, it's good to include, you know, and these people, you know, nobody should ever have to feel different. Nobody should have to feel like they have to hide who they are, what they believe in, who they choose to love. And I'm hoping that this is a trend that will continue. And I'm optimistic that your generation, you're younger than I am, is going to keep this going. Because quite honestly, I see it. I see younger people as being the, the, the motivator, people really towing the line on this. I sure hope so. Yeah. And I think... I'll be honest, Martin, I go back and forth whether, uh, um, you know, with regarding whether or not I am optimistic because I also see younger generations being so focused on this. But then I wonder, is that only in the spheres that I exist in? I am in pretty progressive minded 
groups. I'm surrounded by people who think a lot like me, which isn't always a good thing. (laughs) I think that it's good to be around people who have different ideas than you. And I wonder sometimes whether I shouldn't be so optimistic. So I go off and on, to be honest. We'll be back after a quick break. You ever think about what might be in the water you're drinking every time you fill up your water bottles while you're in the outdoors? I try not to, and I really don't because I use Sawyer water filters. Sawyer filter technology, because of their high standards, every filter is individually tested three times through their process. I've been using their permethrin product for years now to protect me from, well, quite frankly, ticks and the picaridin to keep the flies at bay. Don't let bad water, insects, or a tick bite cut your trip short or even ruin it. Use Sawyer products. Go to your local outdoor retailer and ask for Sawyer products, whether it's a water filter, insect repellent, they'll likely to have it. You can also go to Sawyer's website and read more about these incredible, high quality products that they offer those of us who enjoy the outdoors. Well, you know, I, <laughs> my friends and I attended no nukes rallies and I, I like to joke with people that, you know, 10, 15 years after that, when we were all out of school, people seemed to trade in their tie-dye shirts or, you know, their their jeans for a jacket and tie and all of a sudden changed the way they saw the, saw the world. Mm-hmm. And I can understand being cautiously optimistic because I've seen yeah. it myself what happens with my generation. Mm. <laughs> and, yes, but I agree sure. with you. Being around people with different views, it, it's important, I feel. Uh and unfortunately, you know, another unfortunate thing of our times is people can't seem to just disagree anymore, mm-hmm. right? My team or your team, we, you know, we, we, you know, we can't just uh, disagree, that, you know, and and go on with our lives. And and to me, that's sad that that we're that we seem to be in a, that kind of state right now where people tend to not be able to disagree; they just want to. And, I, and I'm seeing this, that people, they're just kind of gravitating to the people with belief, the same beliefs they have. Yeah, it's true. And sometimes you have to wonder what change does that make if you can't have conversations and try to get other people. Maybe on your side is the wrong terminology to use. Right. <laughs> I don't want to reinforce the different sides thing, but people, you know, if you want people to think more critically about your position and if we can't have these conversations with people who do think differently than us. Um, yeah. What change are we going to make? Yeah, something I always emphasize with my three boys was that don't always think your opinion is the right one. Don't always think that what you believe in is right. Always be willing to listen to what other people have to say, because you might, uh, you know, you might learn something you didn't know, or even better question something you thought you knew to be true. And I, and I don't think that's a bad thing personally. No, <laughs> it's not. So, Emma, have you had any interesting guests that you want to talk about? Ooh, so as you know, as a podcast host, that's a very difficult question because it feels like you're choosing children. I don't have yeah. children, but I imagine that's what it's Sophie's like. Sophie's choice here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I mean, so many come to mind. I did a series over the winter on – reds or relative energy deficiency in sports, which is basically an issue that is super common in the endurance sports world where someone isn't taking in enough uh, energy, enough food uh, to for the output, for the energy output to do 
whatever they want to and whatever they are doing in a sports capacity. And I had a big series unpacking reds, what it is, how it relates to eating disorders, which which are also a huge issue in endurance sports populations. And also talking about how I think when we talk about like mental illness and eating disorders uh, and underfueling, we often imagine it a certain way. We imagine it as looking like a small bodied white woman. And so I had conversations with men, male athletes who've experienced this and uh, athletes of color. And I think that was one of the most interesting series of episodes for me. I also learned a lot from it and I thought it was pretty important and timely. there have been so many others and it's almost like <laughs> I have so many and it's hard to think of like one off the top of my head. But I – oh, I, I did an episode with Taylor Dutch who is a writer uh, for, for Runner's World and Latoya Shante Snell, which is a woman who's pretty known in the running community in New York. And we were talking about safety for female runners and how race and gender and – sexuality and a bunch of different identities intersect to uh to affect safety while running. And so that I thought was really eye-opening and yeah, and I have some I have a lot of great ones planned that I'm excited about. So yeah. people should stay tuned. Yeah, well I was asking you that question. I said, "Oh, if there's such a thing as karma, somebody's going to ask me that question because <laughs> I'm coming up on episode 100 and I'm like, "Oh boy, it's that's a tough one because yeah." And you know, but thanks for answering it and answering it honestly, uh, because yeah, I, as, as a fellow podcaster, that's a tough one to answer. It's hard, you do, especially when you're fortunate enough as as, as we as we've both been to have such great guests. Uh, yeah, that's a tough one to answer. For sure. Uh, so you also have your newsletter. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk a little bit about what you're doing with your newsletter. Yeah, I think um, the news. So I'm I'm a writer. I would say primarily and. I don't really write much about these issues as much as I speak about them because the podcast is a weekly thing and I, you know, freelance here and there about these issues. And I wanted to be able to put my thoughts and really be able to dive deep into some of the issues that I discuss or that my guests and I discuss on the podcast in written form. And I was I was also realizing that there were so many little things happening related to endurance sports and the outdoors and social change on a weekly basis that I didn't really have the capacity to dive into on the podcast when I was interviewing a specific guest on a specific subject. So the newsletter it's pretty new. I think there's been it's it's monthly, so I think I've done 4 months so far. It really allows me to zero in on one specific issue each month and dive a bit deeper into it and then recap the episodes of that month and then write out announcements and events and actions at the intersection of sports and change. So it's really a way for me to continue the mission of the social sport podcast, but in a different way, maybe in a more in-depth way and look at different areas of sport and social change. So this month we had the end of June, we did one specifically focused on allies and folks who don't necessarily identify as members of the LGBTQ plus community, but want to support 
uh, LGBTQ plus athletes and included a lot of resources on that. Also resources for learning the history of LGBTQ plus athlete activism. And that was the focus of the June newsletter. But every month is a different focus. And I've really enjoyed using it as another platform to talk about sport and change. Mm-hmm. Now, you talked about, although you may not be a member, you bring up the LGBT plus community, being a supporter. And, you know, I'd like to talk about that, you know, again, as a 50 plus year old white Christian, I, I support mm-hmm. all these things. And I do so because I just think we're just a better society if we can break down these barriers and get over these things that, quite honestly, I think are plaguing us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, For sure. I, yeah, I just, uh, I think that that's, you know, just, it's, it's great. And I, so I don't, I, I've t- said this on my podcast before with other guests, this isn't uh, something to be taken up just by members of these specific communities. It's a, something that should be taken up by everybody. We all need to be in this together. We, we need to recognize that we all benefit from this. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, we all benefit when everyone has the chance to belong. But I also think that sometimes I forget to acknowledge people who aren't surrounded by people who aren't exactly like them. So, you know, maybe there is an older, white, cisgender, straight man who just has never been surrounded by members of the LGBTQ plus community. And I think that's not an excuse to not want to learn and not want to be inclusive. Maybe you don't completely understand the concerns of that community. And so I think what's important for me to say to people who are outside certain identity groups, outside certain communities is to just learn, just listen. I think that's the most important thing to do. Listen to people who do identify as queer, as LGBTQ+, or maybe who identify as Black or as a person of color, whatever the topic may be. Um, yeah, rather than thinking you have all the answers, just try to learn more. And then I think inclusion comes with that. Now, I'm not going to be pretentious and say, well, you know, I've always been this way. It's not the case with me. You know, not that I was a bigot or uh, discriminated against people, but at a, in my 20s, I went to work in city government uh, mm-hmm. for a city in New Jersey. And for the first time, I was in a different world where I was with a lot of people who looked different than I did, who worship differently than I did, um, who um, choose to love people um, that were of a different gender than, than I loved. And uh, I took that opportunity to to understand, to learn. Uh, and it was eye-opening for me. I, I'll say life-changing for me in a very positive way. I'd like to think that it made me a better person being able to learn learn the cultures and beliefs of other people. And, um, you know, I, like I said, I feel like I'd reached a point in my life where maybe personally, whether I was consciously or not, some barriers were being torn down in my life. That's such a powerful story. And I love hearing that. I also think it takes a lot of bravery to be like, oh, I've, I changed my viewpoints. You know, I wasn't always so inclusive. I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I kind of I'm really curious, has that affected like the things that you've said to other people who aren't willing to be as inclusive uh, with folks who aren't like them? Uh, you know, I've tried to be I, I, I always try to be patient about that. I always try mm-hmm. to because I came from a background where 
you know, maybe there, you know, there definitely was some racism where I grew up, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, I grew up in a white Irish Catholic neighborhood. Uh, so racism, I'm going to say was normal, you know, judging people by these type of things was normal. So I always tried to be patient, but I also, I don't like to use the word correct, but try to explain the other side of it, try to explain, you know, you know, how would you feel being that person in the room that's being judged by the way you look or the way you love or the way you worship? Um, mm-hmm. I sometimes don't know if I'm getting through. I'm very proud of my three boys because all three of them just have this this way about them where they just, you know, go through life not caring about any of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I say not caring about it, there's not they're not seeing people for those things. They're just seeing people you know, good people or bad or good or bad people. Um, I'd like to think that that's, that might be where I had my biggest impact. Um, Don't want to brag about my fathering skills, but I am (laughs) proud of the way those three boys have conducted themselves. Uh, But as far as other people go, I try to be gentle. I don't want to be preachy either. I don't want to be that person that people are saying, you know, wow, if we bring up the wrong thing, he's going to, you know, go off and start lecturing us. But I do try to correct people and, um, and, and, you know, and some of the myths that are out there. And, uh, another okay. quick story I've got to tell you is that uh, this is one of my favorites. Is uh, when I was in college, we were a group of us that hung out together, and there was a gay man in the group. And this one guy says, "Well, I don't care if so and so is gay, just as long as he doesn't hit. Just he says, so, just as long as you don't hit on me.'" So this guy turns around and looks at him, and says, "I don't hit on you. Stop flattering yourself. What makes you think you're that good looking that I'd have any interest in you?" And everybody just busted out laughing. You know, it was, you know, here's this guy thinking that because he's gay, he's going to hit on every guy in the room and, you know, not really realizing he's no different than you are in terms of what he finds attractive or who he may have a romantic interest in. He just, you know, and, you know, and again, it was one of those moments in my life before I started to work for a city where I stepped back and found, yeah, that is kind of funny. You know, he may choose to uh, be romantically involved with people from his gender. But doesn't mean he finds every person, every man attractive or has a romantic interest in every man. Right. I mean, do uh, straight, you know, heterosexual people have every, you know, an interest in everyone of the of another gender? Well, exactly. I mean, that that I, I really thought hard about that for days. I mean, that's kind of like thinking, okay, I'm a I'm a man. Does that mean that as a, as a man who's not gay, does that mean I'm going to have a romantic interest in every woman I cross paths with? Yeah. Yeah. I love I sorry I keep thinking about what you're you know you're talking about your sons and I love one thing you said about how the younger younger generation sees people as just people you know and I I often think about that too and I kind of have to catch myself and remember that you know stop myself from falling down the trap of I think some people can get into the trap of oh I don't see differences in sexuality I don't see differences in race you know the whole colorblind thing mm-hmm. which is fake and so i think it's it's difficult and necessary to engage with the line of yes everyone is a person we're all people with rights and everyone should have the same rights but also we are different you know we are different races and we are different ethnicities and sexualities and genders and that is beautiful and that is worth celebrating so i think both need to be true if that makes sense yeah we're all different Uh, My wife one time put it this way about, you know, finding attractiveness in people, right? That, you know, some people may be attractive to people with blonde hair or maybe people with brown eyes. Some people are, you know, it's 
we do have differences. We do have different tastes, things that make us different, but that doesn't define who we are as people. You know, it's just something that makes us different and interesting. I mean, it just mm-hmm. makes life. I, I personally think it's, um, it, it can make, you know, when we, when we bring variety into our life, differences into our life, there's, there's a lot to gain from that. Yeah. And I think I should all, I'll add on to, to what you're saying is maybe it doesn't define who we are as people, but it does unfortunately define how we must navigate the world, just the way that our world is. And I think that's also an important thing to keep in mind, you know, when we, we celebrate differences, but also realize that often it really does affect how someone is treated and how someone walks around in the world, you know, what their sexuality, what their race, what their gender is. So I think that I guess what I'm getting at is while it's important to remember that we think of people just as people, you know, despite what their differences are, despite their many identities, we also have to recognize that different people have to navigate the world in a different way. Yes. That's a good point. Yes. I, and I agree. I agree with that. And while we're on, and on that note, I'd like to talk to you about uh, this past year or so we've seen a, unfortunately uh, just a, a spike in violence against Asian Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I mean, and uh, any kind of violence, I just, I, I, I just, I can't stomach, uh, but you know, you're, you know, people are being singled out because they're an Asian American, because again, we're back to, you know, and, and to your point, they have to navigate life a little differently than we do. Um, or at least than I, than I do, um, they become the targets of, of violence, uh, physical violence. Mm-hmm. Um, you've, I think you've had guests on address this i have yeah thank you for mentioning that um yeah sorry i don't know if i (laughs) i allowed you to finish your thought no you did yeah it's fine um so i I have had a number of guests on uh sandy numgung is one of them she is incredible if folks want to listen to that episode you can find it you know wherever you find the stream of social sport podcasts but she talked a lot about the way that Asian American people have been treated in the past year, but also just the more longstanding treatment of Asian American folks and the myths of Asian American people as the model minority and so many different ideas such of that, such as that, which are more longstanding than I think we often give them credit for. Uh, I also had a man named Garrick who started the Asian athlete spotlight page on Instagram on the podcast. Um, yeah, those are the ones that really jump out recently, but there are some folks doing really important work. Um, if you want to learn more about that the, on the diverse, we run Instagram page, which is run by a woman named Carolyn Sue, who has also been on my podcast. She has posted quite a lot, shared quite a few stories recently about endurance athletes in particular who have faced uh, increased instances of racism and violence because of their Asian American identity. Yeah, and I just, I, I'm sorry. I just, I, yeah, I have a hard time just stomaching the whole idea of that happening to somebody based on their ethnicity. Some, sometimes these people that are being targeted are, they're, they're, they're from, they've been here for generations. And even if they're just arrived here from another country, it's not an excuse but they're probably more American than some of the people that are committing the violence. Mm. I, it, it, it really bothers me. Um, yeah. Any, yeah. like I said, it, it's, it's just, it's bad when it happens to any group, it's not good. Um, 
Yeah, no, totally. And Martin, you and I were talking a little bit off air, uh, but I think we had a similar experience. And as people who are not Asian American, it's so easy. I, you know, I have the same reaction. I'm like, I can't stomach this. This is terrible. And I keep having to remind myself that like, it's not shocking for a lot of Asian American people. It's really not shocking and they have to stomach this every day. Uh, I, ch- I try to keep r- reminding myself of that. And I think you and I had a similar reaction. Yeah. I can't imagine sending my child to school and wondering if they're going to be beat up because of how they look. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine as a parent what that must feel like or to be walking down the street into a group of people and wondering, am I going to become a victim of a of a crime here because of how I look? And um, it, it's, yeah, I think it's, you know, when I talk about how this is a fight we're all in together, this this is it. I mean, it, it's plaguing our society. It's, mm-hmm. it's when we, if we if we can ever win this battle, we become a better society. When I say this battle, I mean it in the Gandhi, uh, Martin Luther King way. You know, mm-hmm. peaceful, peacefully, and um, you know, without violence. If we can win this, we will we will all benefit. We become a better society when these type of things stop happening. When a parent can send their child to school and not have to worry about. If something's going to happen to them because of how they worship or the color of their skin or who they choose to love, uh, and and you know, and same thing for adults. You know, can I go to this event and not have to worry about uh, somebody pushing me out of the way or pushing me to the side because of how I look or what I, you know, what I believe in? Yeah, I think so much of it goes back to what we were saying before of just listening. You know, listen to people who are different than you and. You know, you and I can't understand what Asian American folks are going through right now. So we just need to listen. And I think that's how change happens in the long run. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to go back to the beginning here. Endurance sports for you. Do you do Mm -hmm. trail running? I do. Yeah. Like I said, I live in New York City right now. So the trails are fewer and farther between. You know, I grew up mostly in rural Connecticut and only ran on trails. So it was funny as I got, um, you know, older and people, I heard the term trail running. I was very confused. I was like, isn't it just running? Uh, But trail running is what I most love to do more than roads. And I'd love to get more into trail racing and mountain running. I'm um, hoping to go on a few fast packing trips in the near future. So yeah, that's, that's what I most love to do. From where you're at, there's a few places, uh, Bear Mountain, Harriman Park, Western New Jersey has some beautiful trails. That's where I did most of my hiking up into my early adult life. Uh, But like you said, you got to travel a little bit to get there, right? It's not like you can just, you know, hop on, you know, hop on your bike, get over there, take a jog over and start hiking on the trails. You're right. Yeah. Training for that is a little bit challenging living in Brooklyn. Yeah, I am lucky. I live very close to Prospect Park and it is a city park, but it is filled with trails uh, if you know where they are. And they're shorter and there's more people on it, but they're still trails and they're still elevation. And so I have to remind myself of that. And I feel really lucky to have that park right near me. So Emma, any future plans with the podcast that you, um, I mean, you're going to... Continue the path you're on. Do you have any plans for any expansion of, of what you're doing here with your work? Oh, I, I mean, 
continuing to grow it, uh, continuing to get more people interested, get more great guests. Um, we'll have to see. I mean, it's it, it started in March of 2020, so it's been a little over a year, and I I think that I start to think more about. You know, there's so much, as you know, Martin, that goes into hosting a podcast. And often I have to think about, I want to host this podcast for a long time. It's really important to me. I love doing it. I love having these conversations. And I have to think about the sustainability of it. And so I do kind of go back and forth with maybe, do I want to take, you know, another team member on, someone to help me with publicity, someone to help me with the social media aspect of it, uh, you know, producing or whatever that might be. So I have no clear plans as that is concerned, but something that's definitely on my mind. And I think in general, I just always want to make sure that I'm getting a diverse range of people with a diversity of experiences. Uh, It's a big value of mine that the majority of my guests identify as women. I like to have a lot of people of color, I say majority people of color on the podcast and just people with a variety of experiences. That's always the goal to make sure it's a very representative podcast. Um, yeah, I, that's really what comes to mind. Well, Emma, I listened to uh, some of your episodes and I was on your website. I think you're doing a fantastic job. Not that I'm an expert or any kind of podcast critic, but uh, aside from podcasting, if I, I think you're doing an outstanding job and, and uh, delivering such an important message. Keep up the good work. Oh, thank Please you. Please keep up the good work. Thank you so much. That means a lot. It really means a lot coming from you. And I should say that I am, my podcast, Social Score, is a member of the Sidious Mag Podcast Network. I do want to give um, a lot of credit for the folks at Sidious Mag for inviting me to join the networks. They're doing a lot of really awesome things specifically for the sport of running. And it's been a joy to be on their platform. How do we find you, Emma? How do we find, how do we, let's start with the podcast. How do we find your podcast? For sure. So you can go over to SidiousMag.com. That's C-I-T-I-U-S Mag. Dot com and click on the podcast tab and click on social sport. You can find all of my, the whole backlog of podcasts. You can also find it wherever you get your podcast. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify. Um, and you can also go check out the social sport newsletter, which is at socialsport.substack.com. And the newsletter as well as the podcast can also be found at my personal website, which is Emma M. Zimmerman. Dot com. A lot of M's there. <laughs> well, Emma, we'll make sure we put these links in the description as well as on our website at papabearhikes.com so people can easily find you who are listening to this episode because I'm sure our listeners are going to want to learn more and and I'm going to encourage them to listen to these episodes. They're really enlightening and informative. Uh, so those, those descriptions are going to be, I mean, those links will be in our description. Uh, Emma Zimmerman, thanks so much for coming on Papa Bear Hikes. Well, thank you so much for having me, Martin. And like I said at the beginning, I love what you're doing and I love how you're also trying to create more accessible outdoor communities. And it was just really great to join you today. Well, thank you, Emma. You have a great day. And everyone, I just want to remind all of you, go to the website, papabearhikes.com and join our team. We're we're putting a team together to help bring awareness for suicide prevention. Uh, The event is in, in September 
you could sign up, you get a t-shirt for your money and be part of this team for this important cause. There'll be a link up at the top. Remember to join us. Everybody get out there and be safe. This episode of Pop Bear Hikes has been brought to you by Avalon Publicity. Avalon Publicity, increasing the digital footprint of content creators and skilled professionals via website development and social media services. For more information about Avalon Publicity, go to their website, avalonbusiness.org. That's avalonbusiness.org.